배는 Hello, everyone. Thank you for your patience. Why am I saying thank you? Is because it has been a minute, a minute since our last Restaurant Fiction episode. Number one, our last Restaurant Fiction episode was just so goddamn good. So give a listen if you did not already. Didn't want to immediately have one immediately after because wanted that nice reverb reaction, that nice resonance from the last one. But also... Russian fiction went away for a little bit. We went on our honeymoon. We went to Africa and we went to Dubai. It was, uh, thank you for asking. It was everything you would like in an amazing adventure, vacation, holiday, what have you. It was filled with paradise. It was filled with nature. It was filled with city. It was filled with hiccups and smoothness and every single thing in between. Gotta love it all. That's right. And we are back. We are back because we dined at a fictional restaurant called Hawthorne. Hawthorne is featured in the new 2022 film called The Menu. And that brings us to this episode. If you have not already caught on, Restaurant Fiction is the podcast that reviews every single fictional restaurant, bar, and club in TV and film. Now, we are not film critics, but after seeing the menu, it is if one of, if not the best of 2022. But that is neither here nor there. Our only job is to review the fictional restaurant of the menu, and that is Hawthorne. And we are bringing on the best and the brightest who know Hawthorne more than anyone else. And those are the screenwriters of the film. They are Seth Reese and Will Tracy. We are going to go into a deep dive into the psychological creation, the... We're just going to go down the wormhole. We are going to open up the Pandora's box and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of what makes this fictional restaurant so great. It is funny. It is cathartic. It is tense. It is thrilling and it is quite horrific at some points. Am I talking about the movie? Am I talking about the fictional restaurant? Who knows? You're just going to have to listen to this Fucking fantastic little chit-chat, little fireside dialogue with Seth and Will. Let's get into them and the fictional restaurant Hawthorne. Go. Guys, gals, children, grandmas, grandpas. Let me talk to you about a restaurant called Hawthorne. This restaurant is on a very, very lonely island. And I don't know if that's on purpose or if it was by accident, but it is. It is minimal, it is modern, it is sad, and it is somber. But it is a restaurant. And what makes this restaurant a restaurant is it's this very, very uh, 
It's a tasting menu restaurant where the menu changes daily. Now, how do you even hear about Hawthorne? Well, number one is you could be a person of access or excess, access or excess, and that is relative, whether that be a person in the know or a person with clout in some way, or you're like a a sneakerhead foodie, you know, like sneakerheads, they know when, say, a shoe is uh, going to drop, or you actually receive the golden ticket, the invite from the chef, point blank. Now, Hawthorne, it is tasting menu. And what I mean by this, and it's a daily change, and what I mean by this is it's like a Noma, for those of you familiar with the tasting menu restaurants of the world, or it is of, say, a French laundry, uh, Thomas Keller's uh, Coup de Gras in the Napa Valley, or it's of the May They Rest in Peace El Bouli or Favikin, where what I mean is that everything is grown, everything is slaughtered, everything is sautéed, everything is finally gelled the day of. Now, one dines at this Charlie and the Chocolate Factory um, experience. <laughs> you never know what the customer's motivations are. You don't really even know what the chef and his kitchen brigade, their intentions are. and to defend both of those. You see, tasting menu restaurants of this caliber are actually hard. And what I mean by that is you see, uh, the chef and his staff, they don't have ample time for research and development. And they have to converge years and years and years of art and craft mixed with this raw emotion of... Uh, sick and twisted humor, which is almost cathartic. And that's on the uh, behind, you know, behind the lines kind of scenes. Now, if you are the customer to defend your experience dining at Hawthorne, you got to ask yourself a question. You see, first and foremost is, is this meal that I'm about to have, is it going to be worth remembering or not? Is it going to be worth the price point or not? And to defend all of this and defend your experience on going to Hawthorne is this meal can never, ever be duplicated. Now, to summarize and to finalize this ex Hawthorne experience is, is dining at Hawthorne a good thing? Well, that's relative. But let me tell you something, listener. Every time you go to In-N-Out Burger, those cheap, greasy cheeseburgers are always, always, always going to be just right. Anyway, that is our very general, very vague, very, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 you know. Uh, oh, we have we have responses. All right. <laughs> all right. Good. Good. Excellent. Weird. <laughs> so we are talking to the the screenwriters of the film. The menu, it is, uh, it's going to be dropping very, very soon. Anyway, we are talking to Seth. We are talking to Will. Gentlemen, you have a response to that review of the restaurant, the fictional restaurant that both of you created. The floor is yours, your rebuttal. What did you like? What could be improved? What did you dislike? Well, I will if say, I, if I were Chef Slowick, there's a couple things that I would say in response. One, my restaurant is not sad and somber. My restaurant is a place of contemplation, and contemplation is always joyful. <laughs> sneakerhead two, sneakerhead foodies are never welcome at my restaurant. 
Three, it is not a tasting menu. It is a degustation concept. Four, we are not a chocolate factory. We are a restaurant. And I know, <laughs> I know not of the Charlie of whom you speak. And as to whether it's a good thing to eat at this restaurant, yes, it is a good thing to eat at this restaurant. <laughs> Thank you very much. Seth, um, you have some responses. My only thing was minimalist and modern, sad and somber. There are no better words to describe my friend and co-writer, Will Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I, I I thought your review was lovely. I thought, Very good. I thought Will's responses were a little better, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much that was thank you no that was great that was wonderful yeah. well you know before we even start with the questions gentlemen you know i mean personally it hit nerves because you know i know many chefs i'm not gonna lie from behind the scenes uh working in that kind of environment on that kind of caliber of cooking it can drive it can really play with one's emotions and cause a lot of uh mental stuff just to you know, piggyback on that, of the two of us, Will and I, Will is probably more the foodie. He'll probably tell you that he's more of a, a Nicholas Holt character in the movie. But what you just said about something driving you mad, that's something that I know Will is very much obsessed with, but I am severely obsessed with that concept. And so that was something that I think drew Will and I together. Both of us very, very much excited us about writing this movie. Of all the food experiences that both of you have had, which ones are like your Hawthorne experience? Yeah, it's, I, I'm not sure if there was any one restaurant that, and Seth and I have been to a few together, I'm not sure if there was any one restaurant that was hugely close to the Hawthorne experience, but I think there were a few, right? I've said this before, but kind of the germ of the idea started when my wife and I years ago in Norway went to a restaurant on a private island that you had to take a boat to from the Bergen, Norway. The only thing on the island was the restaurant. You were a little bit kind of held captive a bit for four hours at a, at a, at a restaurant <laughs> in a perfectly pleasant way. But it did kind of made me think, what if this was not so perfectly pleasant? So the island concept came from that. But then beyond that, I think probably the playfulness and storytelling aspect comes from a restaurant that Seth and I have both been to called Alinea. Alinea, everybody leaves happy and smiling, yeah. laughing, and they treat you wonderfully. And it's a much more joyful experience. But that element of, I guess, modernist storytelling is very much in their wheelhouse. I guess sort of the idea of the heavily foraged restaurant where you're literally kind of told about the seasonality and the locality of every ingredient is a bit like Stone Barns. But then Seth and I also drew a bit on a very different restaurant than this called L Ideas in Chicago, a chef who we met named Philip Foss. And it's a very warm, lovely experience at that restaurant, but is a similarly structured evening where each where the chef will kind of come out into the room and introduce each course. And sometimes the cook in his kitchen who created that course will come out and introduce yeah. the course. And you're also invited to step inside the kitchen and observe them as they work, if you wish, at the beginning of the meal. Yeah, well, and, and the cool thing about Philip Foss was Will and I were working at The Onion in Chicago at this point, and he just wanted to come in and see how we put together The Onion. 
he was interested that that's how we met yeah. that's how we met him he was excited to come in and watch i think a, a creative group of people put together another thing and, and accommodate each other's ideas and how do you guys do it he wanted to yeah. know that and really so that, that that for me who was a little at that point less i don't know involved not the right word word but and what a chef of that magnitude and caliber does it really cued me into oh chef is artist chef as creator chef as perfectionist that's when you know when will because we will and i had gone to a couple of these types of places but when this concept when will came back from his honeymoon with this idea that's i was so e- i was so easily intrigued by chef as artist chef as chef as creator chef as someone desperate to please people chef as needing people to come so he can please them so that all those like little experiences that i had with will and that will had on his own i think then created when you the one thing you said in your your initial review was sadness and i i do think i actually think there's a stage direction in the script where it's like they're all working in lockstep and it just feels like there's an air of sadness in the entire yeah. place so when you said sad i mean you know, that, there's a common theme, I think, in Will and I's uh, stuff where everyone is probably very sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think like, Nicholas, I think Nicholas Holt's character is one of the saddest characters. Like, when he's alone in his bedroom at night by himself, the saddest character we have ever created. <laughs> but, but also, I think we, we share a... I think we both find a kind of sad intensity in these restaurants sort of funny. Oh, very I funny. Think, I think Seth and I are the type of people who, if, if we went to a place like that and those the lockstep service comes and the plates are all set down at the same time, it's going to be hard for us not to laugh. Intensity um, is funny. And Will yes. and I can't, Will and I are, because Will and I are, can be intense people. And I think we're, we're, we're then aware of how insane and stupid yeah. that can be. So, and, and how, intense, and how seriously we can take ourselves when we're yeah. working. And so we relate intensity. to it. And it's, it's, it is funny. Yeah. <laughs> How are both of you working together? How does one enhance the other? Well, Will and I, <laughs> Will and I live in the same sort of hut in Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, it's like kind of a yurt type situation. But I live below. No, there the are ground. no other rooms. It's just one room. Yeah, I live below the ground, and Will lives above the ground. And I'll put people <laughs> put my head up. No, I, I actually, I, I think our writing process is very similar actually to how the onions put together in a certain sense, because we would come together and talk and come up with sort of like the outline and story beats and things like that. And then when it came to the actual writing, we were in our computers writing, I would go off and write 15 pages, send it to Will. Will would do a pass on those 15 pages, and then he would write 15 pages. And so there was a certain amount of like, we had our sort of outline that we came up with together, but then what was fun in that sort of solo part of it is that we could surprise one another whenever we got one another's 15 pages. And I think that always kept it quite fun. Yeah, yeah. it's really, we've never tried to do the thing that some writers will do where they will sit together in a room and one person will type and another person will talk and then one person will talk and the other will type. We've never really done that except when we're outlining. I think we both really enjoy the idea of not only just writing s- separately, but while you're writing separately, you're kind of smiling and right. with anticipation, like Seth is going to enjoy this, you know? Sometimes I'll have to like hold off on like texting Will something that I think he'll like, because <laughs> yeah. I just want him to see it when it's sent to, to him, you know? And I feel but like we both a- 
done that where occasionally I think we'll be so excited about sharing a joke with the other person that before we send the script pages, yeah, it's hard to resist sending a text sometimes yeah. with a little few lines of dialogue. The basic is that we'll never be cool. We'll always be dorks. And that's that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that is the pro that's why, especially with comedy, it's great to have a, someone to write with another person. Cause not only then do you kind of, you escalate each other's jokes and you, and you build on each other's jokes, but also if there's just one other person who you, you trust their sense of humor, if you both find something funny, then the, there's a pretty good chance that it's, at least to your to our sense of humor, funny, and it's sometimes hard to know that when you're writing alone. You can you can kind of trust your own sense of humor to an extent, but we've all been in that situation where you find something really funny and then you share it, and it's like, okay, maybe that's I haven't. It's only formed half formed in my head, and it's this is this is not amusing anyone else. What does the food say about? the characters and because you know every screenwriting legend out there is gives the advice it's about character 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 well in your story yes it's about the characters but it's about the food well i mean i think we could probably walk through all of them i mean the, the first the first course the island is first of all introducing us to the idea of the island itself as a character in the film it's kind of our first time hearing from chef and Chloe. and, and also Go ahead. So, sorry, but I mean, and also, like, you know, if you watch the movie, he kind of tells you the end game right there in yes. the at, in the in the island of like what this yeah. is and how important nature is. And I think throughout the movie, you kind of get it. I think our production designer Ethan Tobin has kind of put this quite well: the contradiction of Chef's idea of what nature is, because he desperately contorts it to what he wants it to be. But in that first speech about the island, he's nature is timeless we are just a frightened nanosecond. So yeah. there is a level of like, this doesn't matter. And mm -hmm. if you, and I have come to the conclusion as a man that this no longer matters. <laughs> so if someone wanted to ask a question or if, if, you know, cause you're in that, you're in that sort of situation where you're a customer. So you want to be polite as even though these people, you know, have a sense of entitlement, they want to be polite, but if somebody asks like, hey, I'm sorry, what? No, we don't matter. What do you mean by that? And why are you saying yeah. that? You know, like, and I, I, so I do think he kind of, in a certain sense, gives a bit of a game, the game away. But yeah. what now we know, we know his worldview now going into the rest of the night. Right. Yeah. And then in the breadless bread course I described and the talk goes, and then there's the course, the mess, which I guess is really the course that, that kind of more fully gives the game away, which is to Seth and I, I think probably the most just purely appetizing plate of food in the movie. I think Absolutely. It's, a, it's a beautifully plated. That's um, that's if I go to Hawthorne, that's the that's the dish I, I want. It's, it's the most sort of classically satisfying course on the planned menu, but it's also by far the most disturbing <laughs> course at the same time. It is where we really learn, I guess, the the toll the psychic toll that the business, the industry has had on chef which she is then i guess in a way that he's becoming very self-aware sadly self-aware of he's passed the pain down to his staff who are in a sense his family and it's just sort of detailing and the mess that is that lifestyle also his own a bit of his own remorse for his actions although he's it's sort of a very monstrous form of remorse yeah when writing 
say like a dark comedy with horror elements like such as in the menu like how do you establish tone like this mm. yeah i mean it's a good question uh, you know I, I and i we're certainly not the first people to explore that intersection um but i think we probably discovered what a lot of people who have tried to merge those two tones have discovered which is that they're um in many ways they're uh mutually supporting ideas right uh i think comedy thrives on tension exactly the same as a, as a thriller does and so the calibration of that tension is not so different and indeed i think some of the best horror movies can be read as comedies the shining is a great comedy some of the funniest comedies are horrific <laughs> So th that that overlap is, I think we discovered maybe not always as difficult in the writing as we expected. Now well, the tricky part is in the editing and the music, yes. and that's where it becomes a bit more of a challenge, right? Yes, that's where like our beloved director Mark, yes, you know, because I would say mixing those genres is actually something that comes quite natural for Will and I. So that's not something that we even have to think about like there was never a point where you're like is it too funny here is it not too funny here is it too serious here like right. we never had that conversation i would say and that's when you i would when you do co-write with someone the conversation should probably be about story and the and and how you want the story to go if you're having conversations about tone and not understanding the other person's tone you should probably not be working with that person because i actually think that's kind of an unbridgeable gap because you're asking someone to write in a way that's not natural to them. And, and what they write is not going to be, you're not going to like it. And then you're not going to like what they write. So I, I don't know even know how that works. But I would say that's when our, you know, a lot of some directors who saw this movie, they thought, well, w this is like a puzzle piece we have to put together in terms of the tone. How do we do it? Mark never had that question. He immediately got it. And he kind of captained that ship from shooting to editing and but also our editor was brilliant too he got it i mean everyone who was there all the actors everyone on set all of our producers madam and betsy like they all got it they all got the tone it was yeah. just and then executing it mark had to execute it and that like was will was saying like that the, the slightest different pacing here the weird cutaway here that doesn't work that will affect the tone so that's that's really hard to do and he did it quite well i think yeah Gentlemen, you briefly mentioned this a little bit with your time at The Onion. What's what's funny about food and restaurants? Well, people stuffing their faces is funny. Like, like hunger and food and yeah. our obsession with food, whether it's like lunch and wanting like lunch because you're sad <laughs> and you want like a good lunch to make you feel better. That's funny. Like, like willing to spend a lot of money to be like at an elevated experience to say you did it. That's also funny. I think the, 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 what's actually funny is the psychological yeah. uh, intent behind the actions behind the eating that. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's something that the onion has always done quite well, which is explore those, that the thought processes that go into the choices we make specifically with food. Yeah. I mean, even if you're at a really, really nice restaurant, I don't care who, who you are. If you're, entree is a little bit late 
some part of you inside is a five-year-old who's like, I want my food now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's something like very, very funny about that. And you have to <laughs> ignore that while you're eating. And yet, uh, you know, this is essentially what food critics are doing is they're being very picky, hungry people, but right. they're trying to put it in the most elevated way that they can. But really, they want their immediate, basic, disgusting animal needs met. <laughs> so I think I think Will did this headline at The Onion uh, when we were there together, and it's uh, man says, fuck it, eats lunch at 10.58 a.m. Oh, I wish I wrote that, that but it's great. That's a great one. And then there, there was also an old Onion character that I ended up writing the stuff that he did later on, but I didn't create him, but his name is Don Turnby. And he's just sort of like this guy from the Midwest who craves fast food. He's the type of like type of guy who like is just so happy when he sees the Burger King icon when he's driving down the highway to like, oh, that's 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 right in two miles. Thank God. Food provides comfort in a way that is very funny. And also the, that comfort is fleeting. That's also sad and funny. Well, because it's exactly it's fleeting. And we also you can dress it up however you like. But we all know what's happening to that food once it goes inside of you. Right. So there's all. <laughs> and I remember a friend of ours at The Onion, John Harris, saying whenever he saw someone post a picture of their food on social media, he's like, I, I all I can do is picture that becoming shit inside of them. later. <laughs> <laughs> which is a line in the movie actually we say yeah it's something with the artist uh, the artist whose work turns to shit inside your gut you know i mean it's it's you can't you can't get past the sort of what is eventually a a quite quite mechanical biological process that, that all of this all this pomp is going to eventually end in, you know not, it doesn't end well and there's no other type of artist where their art does end up like that that's right Will, Seth, I'm cutting you off here. That's right. I am making the beginning of this conversation part one. We are going to be continuing the conversation with both you gentlemen next week for part two. Yeah, probably surprised you, probably surprised you listening, probably surprised my editor, probably surprised everybody out there, did not surprise me because you know why? It's my podcast. I could do whatever I want. If I want to make one episode into two, <laughs> I'm going to do that. All right. So until part two, I'm going to let you digest this amazing episode. I'm going to let you go to the theater and see the menu because it comes out mid-November whenever you're listening. Hopefully it is already out so run and see it. And until part two comes out, the Rush on Fiction episode that is, keep it real, keep it fresh, and always keep it on the flip side. Cut to. Exterior. Interior. Restaurant. Bar. Club. Day. Night.